sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, January 5th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. And with me, as always, is my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we fundamentally put the fun and functional sports content. So we're glad that you are with us here on the grid. And Kev, listen, yesterday, and, and I don't like doing this, Kev, right? Because it's us almost like reveling in people losing their job, losing their employment, right? Especially in this crazy year we've just had the idea that people are getting fired now, you know, with families, may have to move, have to search for employment. It is never an easy thing. But yesterday was in fact known as Black Monday in the NFL. There were three open NFL head coaching jobs going into Black Monday. And there are three more that became available yesterday as the Jets parted ways with Adam Gaze and something we had already known. The Jacksonville Jaguars parted ways with Doug Marone and in something that we had kind of debated yesterday morning, thought would happen and it ultimately did. The Los Angeles Chargers have decided to part ways with Anthony Lynn. It seems like parting ways is the nice way to talk about it, right, Kev? Especially because in L.A. with the Chargers, as we know, good man, right? Yeah, I mean, and and also... The interesting thing with the Chargers is the reason why this was a debate. They lost to the Patriots 45-0, and in that moment, it was unanimous. He was done. Then they proceeded to win their final four games of the season. And any time you end a year on a 4-0 run, it's just going to bring about some questions, right? And that's why I think it was an interesting conversation, but ultimately the right move. Because the thing about Anthony Lynn, and and you, I think yesterday, you said, oh, his four seasons. I didn't even realize he was there for that long. And I don't know if four years is a long time. I'm I'm not necessarily saying it is. But it's one of those things where it doesn't feel like he's been there for four years. And if I said to you three, that's only one less season. But there does feel like there's a difference between how much Hmm. time is truly represented in three seasons and four seasons. And I just think Anthony Lynn, you know, moving on, it now allows us to look at the full scope here. And yesterday we talked a little bit about could there be a surprise, uh, you know, either fire or retirement or parting ways down the road. Maybe. But we look at these jobs and there are just stand out openings from what awaits these possible head coaches. The three jobs yesterday that officially became available, the number one overall pick, the number two overall pick, and the offensive rookie of the year at the quarterback position. That is, that has to be advertising for these guys that are going out there on these interviews. No, absolutely. And I think we will dive in a little bit. Like you said, you know, the first overall pick, a franchise quarterback, the rookie of the year, cap space, right? We're going to get into what are the things that 
maybe some of these coaching candidates should consider and eventually we'll figure out uh kind of which is the most appealing job like you said and we'll start to get into that in our next segment kev you know what i think is interesting um the cincinnati Bengals also came out and said you know Zach Taylor will return as head coach in Cincinnati for the Bengals as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe. Thanks for getting up on the grid early with us here on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. You know, so some teams had to come out there and be like, no, 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 we're keeping our guy in the same way I think we heard in Chicago. They expect Matt Nagy to come back. You know, there were other places that we thought about, potentially Dallas, potentially Philly, that kind of quelled some rumors. What do you think about what do you think about the Bengals, you know, continuing the kind of path with uh, Zach Taylor? Like, has he done enough to warrant uh, more leash in Cincinnati? It's so interesting because I feel like outside of Bengals fans, I might end up being the person the most interested in this organization. You know, (laughs) they don't they took a franchise quarterback at one in the draft, right? They were awful in his first year. They were expected to be bad. Dalton was benched midway through yeah. the year in a tank, if we we'll call it what it is, you know, tanking move. They locked up the first pick. They got their guy. Low for Burrow. And their guy played really, really well. well and then he had the a pick, catastrophic injury that the report the, the bright side was it's not Alex Smith. I mean, if that's the bright side, it's not great, right? Relatively speaking, Like, we think he can play next year, but by the time he's ready to go, who knows if it's even worth it? So I've been wondering whenever I have a moment to just ask, hey, what are they going to do at quarterback? And you have very much so immediately shut down any idea that they would draft anyone. And I don't blame you for that. I think that's me maybe turning the dial up to 12. But somebody's still going to have to play quarterback for a team that has their franchise quarterback for at least at least yeah. 50% of the season. And that's important to Zach Taylor's tenure because True. do they want next year to punt on a season again? I mean, this year they weren't punting on it. They were seeing what they had in Burrow, and they got good answers. But what is next year for Cincinnati? So here's the thing. Next year, though, remember, because when Burrow left, right, they went to what? Finley? Bray? Right? They have an opportunity to bring in a guy who can start the first six, seven, eight games. And then also when Burrow takes over to be that kind of mentor, the Ryan Fitzpatrick of it all. And there are plenty of quarterbacks out there that can kind of do that without complicating the works in Cincinnati. We'll talk about some more spaces and what you think about in head coaching jobs when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin and Kev. Listen, there was Black Monday out there. There are six openings in the NFL right now. You know, you referenced something that's interesting to me that I wanted to kind of push on a little bit more. There's six right now. Right. And a lot of people do make that decision. We know Black Monday, the day after the regular season, when they evaluate, you know, Anthony Lynn comes step into my office kind of thing, which happened yesterday. But 
That doesn't mean it's a rule, right, that you have to, like, fire your coach the day after the regular season. There could be more, yeah. whether it be, you know, teams being slow to make that evaluation and ultimately announce that decision or, as we've mentioned, kind of um, playoff teams that could, it could happen with. And that's uh, less likely but possible. And then also this is like when teams decide there's still the universe where – Coaches themselves decide to, mm -hmm. as you've mentioned, like retire, walk away, go somewhere else to their alma mater to coach in college or something like that, right? And I think it's interesting. There's also the idea that there are a lot of coaches that are, listen, getting up there in age and may not want to do this again, especially given the context of the world we live in. You know, I'm thinking, I mean, like Mike Zimmer, we've heard of health concerns within the past. Bruce Arians, we know have health concerns is in the playoffs and you think is potentially on thin ice. Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, like what is really left for them as at over age 65? You know, I'm not saying I think any of them would happen, but to automatically assume that there will be zero, uh, more opportunities out there i don't know if that's what i would bet right kev yeah no i i think that's totally fair and i'll throw another one out there and maybe it's irrelevant but vic fangio's job was labeled secure and they said he'll be back right. and then john ah. elway stepped away yesterday someone I mean, else gets to make a decision same yeah, I mean, is that same decision still valid now that Elway's out of the picture? You know, and that's you might say to me, "Oh no!" But a new coaching GM can come in and be like, "Hey, we're casting Josh Rosen to decide. We're bringing in a new guy, right?" So right. could they not do that same thing with a head coaching position? Right, and and listen, and perhaps you know, at the top of the organization, the general manager interviews will start and end with Vic Fangio is the head coach for next season. Right, and okay, but. It's just, I think the question of, is this our final six? If you had to yes, no it, it feels like the minus money would be on yes, just because I mean, there's so many crazy right. things that could happen. And, 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 you know, and you briefly mentioned it, and I'll just bring it up again. Not because I am saying it's going to happen, but I do believe if Tampa Bay loses to Washington. And I feel like yesterday, a, a little bit here, you know, you were kind of saying to me, like, oh, I don't think they're going to lose to Washington. But if they did, right, right, right. I mean, yeah. we're talking about Tom Brady losing right. in the first round of the playoffs as a big favorite. It would be a big upset. And typically mm -hmm. stuff like that isn't just accepted. I'm not saying there right. isn't a world where they go, guys, you're one. Let's let's run this back and, and let's get better in year two. But I wouldn't be shocked to see consequences if a a big favorite found themselves falling short short of the mark mm -hmm. this postseason. Well, listen, Tom Brady lost as a big favorite in the first weekend of the playoffs last year. Maybe he'll do it again this year. The reason I disagreed with you was not necessarily – there was part I think Tampa's going to win. You know, I uh, they're, they're one of the horses I'm intrigued by in the NFC. Mm -hmm. But it was more for me that I thought – that the, the the goal of that late buy was to kind of get on the same page in a lot of levels, right? And so if that, I mean, they're undefeated since then. So we'll see if that has happened. You know, that kind of kumbaya has all happened. I wanted to show you this. Our, uh, our producer, Brian, was great and found this yesterday. If these are the six openings, right? 
you know, Kevin, what are some of the factors that you consider when evaluating which opportunity may be best? Let's say you're Robert Salah. Let's say you're Eric Bieniemy. And listen, Bieniemy's interviewed like in three places already, right? He may have his pick of the litter. Let's say you did. You know, for me, and this graphic shows like the cap space you'll have and intriguing. We've mentioned this before. The Jags and the Jets seem flush. Houston and Atlanta are already kind of behind the eight ball in the cap. And that's why I think about things like moving on from Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and kind of adding to the complicating factors of that opportunity. But then you see the number of draft picks they have. Right? So a new head coach would be walking in with these kind of bullets in their chamber, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you something. This is important to me. Um, but to me, I would also add, Kev, the quarterback, right? And a lot of ways, the money into the draft picks are like your way to get the quarterback mm -hmm. if you don't have it already. So yeah. the quarterback. Um to me, there's two other things, though. The front office, your leadership, right? What kind of organization this is. There are some that are laughing stocks. There are some that are run well, and we give the benefit of the doubt, right? I got to know who I'm working with in this vision. And the other thing for me, Kev, is the division you're in. There are some divisions, right? If I'm going to take a job and I'm going to take a five-year contract, right, to be a head coach, there are some divisions where, man, I know for the next five years, it's going to be really hard to win the division. Like, for example, in the AFC West, right, with the Chargers job, because I'm going to have to go through Patty Mahomes regardless, right? Whereas in the NFC South, for example, Kev, well, if I'm thinking about my five-year tenure as a coach, Tom Brady's going in that tenure. Matt Ryan's going in that tenure. Drew Brees is going in that tenure. Matt Rule yesterday didn't have a vote of confidence for Teddy Bridgewater, right? So, like, the path there if I get my quarterback right to dominance, maybe shorter. That's another factor I think of because job one is winning your division. What are some of the other factors you consider in the world where you are, Eric Bieniemy? I think the all-encompassing phrase I would present is clean slate. Because this oh. is something that you and I have talked about a lot here on the show, is how yes. you walk into Atlanta and you have to handle no the Matt Ryan situation and that can be difficult right you sure walk can. into Houston now Deshaun Watson is great but you're dealing with a cap situation that is disastrous and a draft pick situation that is a complete total mess and I hold Justin Herbert in high regard again offensive rookie of the year but right, right, right. if I have the opportunity in either Jacksonville or New York to pick my guy that's attractive because I get to link myself most likely to at least that rookie contract. And if I'm right. good at what I do and I can choose the right guy. And I think that's why these head coach positionings that could be tied to general manager openings as well, where you can walk in together and try and then achieve this mm -hmm. together. That Kyle Same Shanahan page. John yep, Lynch. Lynch. Yep. It was a perfect marriage. Yep. And they are simpatico. They are step by step together. Mm -hmm. Because even if you walk in on different footing with the general manager, it can see either one or the other find Absolutely. their way out. Joe Douglas remains in New York. Adam Gase right. is now gone. It's so the timing of it all, me, right? His guys, then I, his guys, then yeah, his guys. I yeah. think a clean slate like and I think of all of them, Jacksonville seems to be the cleanest slate, I think would sit really high atop the priority list. 
No, I really love the idea when you talk about that Shanahan-Lynch combination. Look, it didn't happen in Vegas, right? When Gruden came in, then the GM got fired. It always happens like playing zigzagging back and forth. And you're talking about it as coach and GM. We've seen it before with coach and quarterback, right? Kingsbury and Kyla Murray being an exact situation. And these new head coaches will have the opportunity. Let me ask you this, though, because you mentioned one of these other teams. I know the idea of Jacksonville, the Jets having these draft picks and they can get their guy, but that's still a crapshoot. That's still even Trevor Lawrence, right? It's still a fifth. What about the idea that in two of these jobs, the Chargers and the Texans, you know you have your guy instead of maybe I'm going to go draft my guy and maybe he turns out. Listen, I know Deshaun Watson has worked out. I know Deshaun Watson's going to have me competitive yeah. for the next eight years, right? As opposed to maybe thinking that my number two pick may pan out. Is there any value, Kev, in like having it as a known quantity already? That's what I'm going to ask you when we go back in after the break. The idea of the bird in the hand already knowing you have the Pro Bowl quarterback or the rookie of the year versus the promise of the draft pick. And then after we do that, we'll turn our attention to the quarterbacks that are already in the playoffs and who we think could lead their team to a title when we come back giving you the edge. That's what we do. Bamo right here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. To the early line, big shout out to all of our affiliates who join the fun every morning. Our affiliates will be growing very soon as we are on Sirius XM in the next, I don't know, couple of days. Check for us on channel 204 there, Kev. But, you know, that's, that's what I was wondering as we go in, right? Um, it's great to be able to have that number one pick or that number two pick and maybe get your guy. But as we've seen, Kev, it's almost like a 50-50 proposition, right? Like, okay, yeah, you could get that guy. But, like, in Houston, I've got a guy. His name is Deshaun Watson, right? And I already know. Like, listen, if you're a team that's thinking about drafting Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or even Trevor Lawrence, to be quite honest, your greatest hope <laughs> is that in three years you have something close to Deshaun Watson, right? So, like, the fact that I've already got it in Houston, I understand the cap space is crazy. I understand the cupboard may be relatively bare otherwise, right? But to me, the idea that you have an all-pro caliber quarterback already in your pocket instead of having to, like, go get your guy – is attractive as well. Talk to me about a job in which you inherit Deshaun Watson. I mean, Dane, when we finish up this conversation, we will then proceed to talk about our quarterback rankings. Quarterbacks in the AFC, right? <laughs> We're yeah. not going to rank skill position players or offensive line. It's all right. important, but it pales in comparison to quarterback. And, I mean, listen, sure things can be sure things can be sure things. The Colts are quarterbacked by Phillip Rivers right now. And the yeah. shirt thing, honestly, worked out. And still craziness happened. Like, so this league can be crazy. So right. the fact that you have what is a pretty universally accepted top five quarterback in this league outside of maybe some folks that are based out of you. Vancouver, like this is a this is a quarterback that's on the night. And again, the other one is the offensive rookie of the year in Justin Herbert. Like, right. That's you've what seen him. I feel and good about that. Honestly, yeah. Dane. 
the other two guys that we're not talking about are right. Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan. One of them has won an MVP, and the oh, yeah. other has put up breaking MVP NFL records numbers, career, yeah. but n- maybe never been in a situation where it could lead to enough wins, right? So, like, that's fair. We are talking about there isn't a. We talked a little bit pre-show about permutations. Yeah, everything is live. I feel like when we talk about these jobs, the the way that you want to talk about these, it's fascinating to me. And I don't think there is a clear and obvious answer. It's going to come down to fit more than anything, because also as much as we've talked about Eric Bieniemy, right yeah. there, when it comes to the head coaching carousel, there is never a clear and obvious top choice because it's an unknown unless sure. Mike Tomlin entered right, the right, conversation, right. right? Like right. Eric Bieniemy's not been a head coach. Brian Dabble, sure. Arthur Smith, Robert Sala. These are all right. unknowns for the most part, right? Even if John Harbaugh came back into the play, right, right, right. like he's coming from Michigan. Like we still don't know Jim, what it's going to look yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, if he yeah. lands. Yeah, excuse me, Jim. If because John Harbaugh, I mean, there have been times where they thought his message was stale in Baltimore. There were times where he was on the merry-go-round. <laughs> like, let's put it this way: if a boy Jim Caldwell came back, we'd know right kind of how his coaching style is a little bit as mm-hmm. well. But right, we we don't know about these things. We could think Trevor Lawrence is gonna be the man, right? And I've seen yeah. Justin Herbert on an NFL field break records. I know what Deshaun Watson can do. So it's an interesting conversation. And Kev, what I think we'll do is tomorrow or later in the week, let's do that. Let's rank these six and think about what you would consider most important. Because I think you're right. There are a lot of permutations that are valid that you can convince me of. I'd like to see what yours actually is, and I will do the same. Speaking of confidence ranks or ranks at all, you mentioned about the quarterbacks, right? And so we now go to the playoffs. We talk about how the quarterback is the most important position in sports. And so what we decided to do is start to think about the quarterbacks that are entering these playoffs in the AFC and the NFC and say quarterback just them right not the defense not the coaching not the skill positions not the O-line but which quarterbacks in the AFC do you have the most trust or confidence in can kind of lead their team through this gauntlet and into the Super Bowl and perform well so I we, we each did this I'll show you mine first in the AFC okay I think we all agree Kev Patty Mahomes is number one right he's the best player mm-hmm. in the universe right now what have you his only competition resides at number one in the NFC let's say and then ironically Kev we both had Mahomes as first and then at two three four we both had the same Three guys, but in different orders. And then the same things Mm -hmm. for five, six, seven. So for me, you know, Tannehill, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. The reason I put Tannehill above Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, Kev, Mm -hmm. is because of what we've talked about before. In the big spot, right, the bad big mistake. We we have both said that in this scenario, Josh Allen is still live to make this big mistake, even though his regular season performance this year has been at an MVP level. It has, right? And then Lamar, we've always had questions about what if they get down in the game script? What if a defense forces him to throw outside the numbers? All those things. And and, and he hasn't answered those questions fully yet. So they're below Tannehill to me, who, you know, you've been talking about as a top 10 quarterback, and I am coming around to it as well. I think he makes all the throws. He has sneaky mobility as well. And I just think he's a little bit more careful with the ball than Allen or Lamar. 
So, yeah, so I think it is interesting that we came away with, because we both prefer tiers, right? But we forced ourselves to rank, and we basically kind of show that there are tiers to this anyway. Yeah, let's have yours up as well. Let's show yours too. So so the reason why Tannehill, for me, checked in below both Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson is I think from a talent perspective, I still have to favor Allen than Lamar. The, the ability to just go out there and make special, special plays that few others in this league can make, I believe, is greater with both Allen and Lamar. Mm-hmm. Here's, I think, what I guess ultimately dinged Ryan Tannehill for me, because with all three of those quarterbacks, right, there are playoff question marks that surround them. I think when we compare Josh and Lamar a little bit closer to one another, I think it's fascinating. Ryan Tannehill last year started three playoff games. Two and one record, went to an AFC championship game. Awesome. In the two wins, eight of 15, 72 yards, seven of 14, 88 yards. I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to make of that. That it was, and then this is why we've talked about teams choosing to take away Henry or Tannehill. I've right, heard right, right. time and time again, you take away the quarterback, not the running back. Because one of them is a quarterback and the other one is a running back. And at the end of the day, clearly in the playoffs, those teams did what they could to take away Ryan Tannehill, right? And mm-hmm. the Ravens then said, okay, fine. Or excuse me, rather, the, the Titans said, okay, fine. And they let Derek do his thing. 187 or whatever it was. Efficiency yeah. perspective, Tannehill took a massive hit from what he did in the regular season to when we got to the postseason. So I don't have this extensive body of postseason work for Tannehill, which is kind of what works against both Lamar and Josh Allen. And from a pure talent height perspective that even we say we've seen in regular season, I've seen the other two go to higher levels. No, that makes sense. And listen, don't get me wrong. When you talk about Lamar and Josh Allen being dynamic, right? They Mm -hmm. absolutely are, right? I think... Inherently, though, with being that dynamic, right, Kev, like, there's some Mm -hmm. risk involved. There's just some risk involved, right? And then in the playoffs, right, the same, it's the gift and the curse, right? The same thing that makes Josh Allen, that makes Lamar, that on some level, you know, makes some of these other guys that aren't even in the playoffs, like a Kyla Murray, let's say, um, so dynamic, also takes on risk. And in the playoffs, it's almost like, I want to narrow the range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, Kev? Like, yeah, all that good stuff is great. But in the playoffs, I almost want to avoid the big-time whammy even more than getting the amazing play, right? We've always said it's almost like the playoffs expose your weaknesses as opposed to, you know, highlight the strength. So I did think that is interesting, but we're splitting hairs, right? We do think they're in that tier together. As we look at the bottom, uh, the five, six, seven quarterbacks, what I find interesting from your rankings, if we could put up yours again, or we have mine here. I have Big Ben five, Baker six, and then Rivers. You had Baker five, over the two veterans in the yeah. playoffs, why would you take Baker? Although you know the way I feel about Baker, and I think he has shown a lot of progress, especially mm-hmm. managing the game, fitting the scheme of that team. We've talked about what complementary football looks like under Kevin Stefanski. But why do you have more confidence in Baker over two guys who have been in the AFC playoffs for the last decade and a half? So this ranking comes down to some combination of what you have done for me in the past and what you have done for me lately. 
And Baker had a better season than both of those quarterbacks. And we talk about those back-breaking plays. I mean, Phillip Rivers was basically built to make back-breaking interceptions. And Big Ben was just not good this year. Now, Baker is fascinating because not just in the AFC, in the all 14 of these quarterbacks that are on the graphic, yeah. he's the only one that has never played in the playoffs. It's the only one. Trubisky, all they've, they've all had a playoff star. Baker's the only yeah. one. But when we go through it, Big Ben's last playoff win was 2016. The last time he played in the playoffs was 2017. He was down 21 nothing to the Jaguars and Blake Bortles. Phillip Rivers played in 2018, got a win against the Ravens and Lamar, ironically enough, and then got boat raced by the Pats. You then have to go back to 2013 to find the last Phillip Rivers playoff box score. Sure. So it's just the body of work over the course of their careers obviously is substantial. But of recent, it doesn't stack up to me more so than what this regular season provided. Okay, fair enough. You got Baker over Big Ben. I wonder if that means later on in the week we're going to hear you pick the Cleveland Browns over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll talk about this a little bit more and turn our attention to who we like in the NFC as for the quarterbacks. We're back right here on the other line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin bringing down the quarterbacks in the AFC playoffs that are left in the tournament. And kind of, listen, we all know about Patty Mahomes, right? But like, which one do we want to have on our team kind of leading? And intriguingly enough, Kev, the last thing I want to talk about here is, you know, I think it, 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 it speaks to the ascension of Josh Allen, the way we view Lamar, but we have those guys as two, three, it, it, it kind of, and you had, you know, kind of the, the, the old guard, let's say kind of down towards the bottom. Right. And I yeah. think that speaks to kind of the, the cycle of it all. I mean, listen, in the AFC for the last, I don't know, two decades, it was dominated by four men, Kev. Their names were Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers. Period. Right. And now we're entering a new, you know, a, a new frame, a new a new generation. Right. Where, to be quite honest, the names that are always going to be there are Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. And I'll throw in the name we were talking about earlier in the show, Deshaun Watson. Like those guys are going to be the gatekeepers in the AFC for a long time. So talk to me about why you had Lamar slightly over Josh Allen when we look at kind of like the new generation that will be in the AFC for years to come. So uh, the reason why I wanted to circle back to this is is because when we kind of put this list out there, uh, I was told that this was a bit of a scorcher, that Lamar Jackson checked in at two. And I will tell you, I didn't, you know, just put these together by the snap of a finger. I, I yeah, a former took MVP. my time here, right? And I think that the reaction isn't that surprising. But what's the narrative around Lamar, right? right. I can't trust him in a playoff game. Is the narrative different in Josh Allen? Because here, here's the thing with, with last year's Lamar's one playoff game. He accounted for 509 total yards of offense, threw one touchdown, two picks, and lost a fumble. Josh Allen, last year in the playoffs, 
accounted for 350 yards of offense, no touchdowns, two fumbles, lost one, no picks. He averaged 5.7 yards per pass. Josh Allen in that game, Lamar 6.2. Ultimately, they both weren't good last year in the playoffs. Josh Allen was a part of blowing a 16-0 lead. Lamar was a part of a game where they just couldn't get off the ground after that extended bye. So really, neither one of them performed in the playoffs. You talk about the MVP seasons, Josh Allen's year is MVP caliber for sure. He's not going to win the award. Lamar did, and I feel like that is being forgotten. I I mean, Josh Allen this year, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions in his 16 games played. Lamar threw 36 touchdowns last year. Only six picks, only played 15 games, and sat out a bunch of fourth quarters, and also rushed for 1,000 yards. So Lamar's MVP season is still better than what Josh Allen has done this year. Again, that's not a slight to Josh Allen. That's how good Lamar was. And then you just talk about the level that the two are playing at entering the postseason. I'm not going to tell you that Lamar is currently playing better football than Josh Allen, but Lamar's playing some really good football. That ground game is back to working. So I do think we're splitting hairs. I wouldn't take anyone to task for listing Josh Allen ahead of Lamar in their rankings. But I almost did it to remind people that when we compare these two, the playoff struggles are the same. The regular season heights are the same, if not shaded, to Lamar Jackson's side. And the level of football that they're playing entering the postseason, I don't believe to be all that different. That's why Lamar checks in it, too, for me. Yeah, no problem. That makes sense. And obviously, we're talking about this all in a vacuum. And then obviously, for this weekend, we'll have to consider that Josh Allen will be at home, but against a top 10 defense in the Indianapolis Colts. And Lamar is going to be going on the road, but he will face a defense who we think can be had and is the Achilles heel of that team, that team being the Tennessee Titans. You know, Kev, I almost think like maybe tomorrow we should rank the defenses. And then Thursday, we should rank the coaches right or whatever else you think is like the other important factor and then by friday we'll in essence have like our composite rankings and our power index of our power of our playoff teams on some level as we go ahead and make our wild card picks at the end of the week let's turn our attention to the nfc though okay yeah. because i think in the nfc it's somewhat similar Kev, you and I both think that the presumptive MVP of the league is the quarterback that we would have the most confidence in. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers, right? But then when you look at two through seven, I think we also saw it uh, through similar tiered lenses. If you look at mine first, right, we've got Aaron Rodgers there. Then I think I've got the three guys that I will say I either fundamentally believe in and or have such a long track record of doing it i would be a fool to try a hot takey dismiss it those are russell wilson tom brady and drew Brees. right then after that are uh 
The three, quite frankly, I have concerns about. Jared Goff, we don't even know if he's going to play this week, right? Nothing about necessarily the the quality and all that stuff. We've had the essential conversation about that. We don't know if he's going to play, all right? And if he does, he'll be compromised. Uh, Trubisky, we know the ups and downs. He has been playing well, but this is another level. This is the playoffs. It just doesn't stack up against two Hall of Three, four Hall of Famers that are above him, in my opinion, on that list, right? And then Alex Smith, nice story, but as we've seen, the mobility is really not there. If you isolate the story from the objective play, it hasn't been all that great. And so I have, you know, those three guys, Goff, Trubisky, and Smith. You have those same three guys just in a different permutation, which is the secret word of the day. So let's talk about first the top or the middle tier, right? The Brady's, Wilson, Breeze tier of this, which we agree. We have two, three, four. What were your uh, deciding factors when uh, ranking them? So for me, and, and, you know, we both came away with with Rodgers at one. I I would make this clarifier if we were to combine the AFC and the NFC. The NFC Mm. would probably check in with three of the top four quarterbacks, if not four of the top five quarterbacks, if we combine these rankings. So they are all held in pretty high regard. When it came down to Brady and Russ, Again, we've talked about what have you done for me lately plus what you've done for me in your past. And I mean, Tom Brady's status as the GOAT is because what he's done in the postseason, right? The six rings, you, you don't sure. you know, fall backwards into six rings. And unlike Big Ben or Phillip Rivers, his playoff success, it's not that far behind him. I know it wasn't great last year to end it against the Tennessee Titans. The season before that, he won the Super Bowl. So it is not that far behind Tom Brady playing good games. Sure. And honestly, I'm quite surprised that I ended up having Brady over Russell Wilson. And if you would have told Hmm. me this would have been the case five weeks into the year. But, Dan, if we just compare the level of football that these guys are playing, I mean, Brady's just playing better. I mean, off that bye week, he's got 12 touchdown passes to one interception. He only threw for 196 against Minnesota. Then he threw for 390 against Atlanta the first time, 399 the second time. He threw for 348 against Detroit in the first half. He didn't play the whole second half. I mean, he probably could have gone out there and shattered records. Russ, it's just not the same. He's just not playing the same level. Wait a second, though, because you've been telling me for the last month that you will not care or be impressed by what Tom Brady does in this stretch. Now, that exact data point is what you're you're kind of referencing to talk about him as number two. I thought thought what he did in that last month and how they looked was not going to matter. It's not going to cloud my mind when it comes to breaking this team's down and their chances to win a Super Bowl. And to me, everything that they were doing beforehand is going to still be weighted equally. Because maybe I didn't kind of make okay. it clear. I think we're going to hear a lot of people say that the Bucks were the hottest team in football and that they have gotten right off of the bye. To me, they had a favorable schedule that they rightfully took advantage of. Minnesota, they probably got bailed out by Dan Bailey and then were down 17-0 to Atlanta the first go-around. But I can't ignore Brady still playing well, still putting up really solid numbers. And again, it's being compared to Russ. 
a touchdown and a pick against Washington, one touchdown, no interceptions, two touchdowns, no interceptions right. against the Rams and the Niners. You know, seven yards per pass against the Rams isn't bad. Yes. Five yards per pass against the Niners is atrocious. Let me ask you, let me ask you two in a slightly different way. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you know, we we all can have our own internal definitions of confidence or trust or however you internalize it, right? If your team was down by four with two minutes to go, and you had the ball on the 25-yard line, right? Mm-hmm. You want Brady or you want Russ? I would have answered that without hesitation, Russell Wilson, up until about week 12, 13. Okay. Dane, I don't know what happened to the guy. He was <laughs> minus money to win know, MVP, okay? The FanDuel Sportsbook had odds up the other day on the award Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams were on the list. Russell Wilson's nowhere to be found. A running back and a wide receiver are bettable options to an MVP, not the guy that was minus money. Like, I'm not making this whole Russell Wilson stuff up. Like, it's not the same. This shouldn't... I wish I didn't have him three. And I hope I'm wrong. Not through the lens of Brady plays poorly. I prefer Russ cooking. He hasn't done it outside of the Jets game in forever. He just hasn't. Like right. and it's and I don't know. But sometimes isn't into the MVP awards some you know there's statistical production. That's kind of why I asked like who do you want riding in the saddle? Who do you want in the foxhole in that last minute kind of situation? And I wondered if you would view it any differently, but I get you. You're right. Like the the, the Seahawks have kind of as soon as their defense got a little bit better, their offense got a little bit worse, you know? And so I, I that has definitely happened. What about the bottom of this list cuz we only have a couple minutes left yeah. here. Kev and and in the NFC, here's the deal. The top four guys on your list, the top five guys on my list, they all have Super Bowl rings, for goodness sakes. You know what I mean? So, like, right. I'll take any of them, Kev. Right? Like, they've shown yeah. me they can do it. Right? Talk to me about Goff, Smith, Trubisky. Again, we don't even know if Goff's going to play. Trubisky was yanked, right, as the starting quarterback this season. And Alex Smith, great story, but there's concerns about them as well. Why did you kind of slate them the way you did? So, Goff falls Fifth, literally by default. Like, he couldn't be yeah. any lower because of the two guys right. below him. He couldn't be any that. higher because of the four guys in front of him. He's just fifth. As far yeah. as Smith and Trubisky goes, I feel who like... We have flip-flopped, I believe, right? Yeah, I go Smith, right? That's who we have differently. Okay. I feel like a lot of people's gut reaction is Trubisky's so bad, Trubisky's so bad, Trubisky's so bad. I don't necessarily disagree, but Trubisky, 16 touchdowns to 8 picks on the season, 6.9 yards per pass... At 67% completion, it wasn't awful. And the mobility that he does bring to the table relative to the guy that we're talking about and Alex Smith is noteworthy. It's fair. Here's the deal with Alex Smith, Dane. It's one of, I think, maybe the best sports stories of all time. I don't think that's an overstatement. Where this guy was to where this guy is is miraculous. Absolutely. But he's been horrible. I mean, the reason why people couldn't believe that the Eagles had cost them the Giants a playoff spot is because Alex Smith and the Washington offense was so awful that the Eagles, despite also playing horribly offensively, were right there in that game. Smith has more picks than touchdowns, only 6.3 yards per pass, and legitimately cannot move his three rushing yards on the season. No, that absolutely does make sense. I happen to put Alex Smith above Trubisky. I think for me, the wealth of experience he has may come in handy. We'll continue to talk about this as we wrap up. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Radio Network. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, Dane and Kevin. And we were talking, you know, during the break of how, like, it's funny in the NFC list, right, Kev? We got like four guys that have won Super Bowls before. I, I, we got four guys that I believe are Hall of Famers, right? So we're, we're literally splitting hairs there in the NFC. But it's so funny. In the AFC, it's like obvious, right? It's Patty Mahomes. And then let's talk about the permutations of two through seven. Yeah. And I don't care if, like, Deshaun Watson was in there as well. I don't care if, you know, call it whoever you want, right? Like, Patty Mahomes is that dude, and that's kind of why when I came on yesterday, Kev, I was like, is this still the Chiefs and everybody else? Yeah, I, I honestly, we probably should have told Steve to put Mahomes and then leave us space. Right. And then a little dotted line or something. Seven. It, it just, <laughs> there isn't anybody with a straight face that could put anybody else at one on that list. Yeah. That's why they're minus money. Because it's not like it's not just a lot. Le- like, this is the thing. The level of play, he's first. What have you done for me like lately? It's oh, yeah, and all the, but yeah. also the path. The only other guy with any like thing somewhat similar of playoff success is Big Ben. That was forever ago. It was forever yeah. ago. Like it is so obviously Mahomes won. That's yep. why they are minus money to win the AFC. And I think it's absolutely deserved. No, it's his world, and we're all just playing in it. We'll see if they can continue to do the job. I know our guys over at LTN down there are definitely hoping that he does. You know, we were joking because, you know, Jared Goff, we don't know yet if he will be available for their tilt against the Seahawks this weekend. John Walford would probably be seventh on this list, or would you have him above Alex Smith, Kev? I mean, he was so mobile in that game I guess. that I feel like he takes away – like trip like the Trubisk. I don't honestly. Let's this is the crazy. thing that's so no, but this is no no no. Look, look, look. Wofford over Trubisky or Smith, no. But realistically, like one through four and then five through seven in the NFC right. is a cliff. It is yep, such a, a cliff that it would be wild if five, six, or seven were to be playing in the next round. Hmm. Interesting way of looking at it. We will see, and we'll talk about these games for a whole lot for the rest of the week. We're turning our attention to college football when we come back. It'll be the fun and functional sports guys. Come on, admit it. You do your own play-by-play in your.